Hi, I'm Jason Del Rey, Senior Editor of Commerce at Recode. Thanks for listening to Recode Replay. Here's an interview from the 2018 edition of An Evening with Code Commerce, which we held in March at Shop Talk in Las Vegas. I spoke with Eric Nordstrom, the co-president of Nordstrom, along with One Market CEO Don Kingsborough. Let's take a listen. So uh, I'm going to be pleased to welcome uh, Don Kingsborough, CEO of One Market, and Eric Nordstrom, the co-president of Nordstrom Inc. So you're lucky there's no news going on around Nordstrom these days. (laughs) Then we can move on. (laughs) Um, You know, so we'll start real quick and then we'll jump into, you know, the the larger discussion. But, you know, there was some news just a couple hours ago that um, if if people in the room don't know, the Nordstrom family has been trying to take the company private. and uh, there was an announcement today that, that, that those talks have, uh, that the company has ended those talks. So, um, Eric, uh, what now? What now? Uh, I mean, not the same as we've been doing. Our, uh, our goal's always been to be the best fashion retailer we can be. And, you know, for us, the, the mission stays the same. Um, Obviously, there there are some things that would be easier as a private company in this transformation age. Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I would say I appreciate the questions, but uh, not necessarily. I, uh, <laughs> in all honesty, I, I I just can't get into okay, well, much we'll, about the deal. Okay, we'll we'll circle back around. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, Thanks. So so Don. Um, You've had a, a lot of really interesting roles in your career, um, payments world, retail world, banking world. Um, I think there are plenty of people in the room who know what one market is, but probably a, a couple or more sure. who don't. So can you just give us the, sure. the quick pitch and, and then we'll explain why you're two up, there, up here sure. together. Yeah, I mean, I've been around retail for over 40 years. And what I saw happening at the beginning of you know, this uh, 2000 was that retailers were falling further and further behind. And fundamentally, what I saw was a new business model. What everyone perceived as a technology, I thought was not just a technology, but a, really a business model. And that retailers were slow to adopt it as a technology, but even slower to adopt it as a business model. And that was platforms and networks. And what is what I wanted to do was essentially help physical retailers compete with people like Amazon. And I thought it took building a platform and a network that enables them to move from slow to fast and to test and learn things and to make, you know, they have these assets called stores that most of the financial people in the room thinks are bad things for retailers. When in fact experiences is what this next generation is going to want it's a perfect place to create these experiences. And so we, we built a platform over the last three or four years in which we enable technology companies, we customize their technologies for retailers to use. We develop some of our own. What you'll see soon is some retailers will develop their technologies for their customers. And on the platform, that then you can share so that you have cost advantages. Everything can be in the cloud. If there's a new natural language program, if there's new machine learning, that you can build in the cloud and that can get shared. And 
and retailers will compete on the basis of, of things they do, the products that are in their stores, and, and the things they do for their customers. But the table stakes, they, they, they can be shared and have these new technologies not five years late, but exactly when the consumer is ready to, to transition to that new technology. And just for some context, the, the company you now run spun out of Westfield Corporation. Yeah, so Westfield started this a few years ago, and I was on the board of Westfield. They had a vision to do it internally because they had all these physical assets. As some of you may know, we're on the other end of it, Eric. Uh, Westfield was being acquired by a company uh, called Unibuy, and uh, one market is going to be spun out in the next 10 or 12 weeks into a public company, and and then Westfield will be part of Unibuy, and Got so th that's what's happening. So um, Nordstrom is, is is a partner now of, of one market, and mm -hmm. when, you, when you're looking at what they're doing, we'll dive into some specifics, hopefully. Um, wh what did you see here that made you want to participate because because you talk a lot about collaboration between retailers retailers are very competitive as well so I'm wondering what what the what the allure was uh, yeah retailers are competitive I'm not sure we're more competitive than shopping center uh, owners that, <laughs> uh, and you know for for Westfield and Don to, to take this on uh, is, is quite something well I mean what resonated with us uh, was really the vision of uh, just a way of, of viewing the world that uh, you know, obviously we're all dealing with these uh, pretty enormous changes uh, happening in our industry, happening with customers. And uh, what resonated with us is uh, Don and One Market's vision of the world that uh, really where the, the customer is today is, is in platforms, lives on platforms. And, uh, and I like, you know, his comments saying uh, these new models emerge. Uh, I, I think we've all gone through <coughs> these phases of uh, dealing with these changes where, at least for retailers who were uh, steeped in uh, bricks and mortar, you, you start, you have this uh, business model that's a bricks and mortar business model, and okay, you add an e-commerce business, and there's e-commerce business, and still to this day, uh, the number one question we get uh, as a public company and of, of people looking to invest in our company is, okay, I've got my models, I've got a physical store model, and its profitability's pretty good, I've got an e-commerce model, profitability's not very good, but I know business is shifting to e-commerce, so your profitability's gonna go down, so. Why don't you take the company private? Help me, well, no. <laughs> no. Uh, a dog on a bone, a dog on a bone. That, Tried. But you get stuck in that yep. view of the world. It's, you're fill, filling numbers into boxes, uh, and there is a new model. Uh, the customer, number one, doesn't shop that way, and I think we've all kind of come to understand that, but uh, there is a new model that can emerge, and, and what resonated with us is, uh, you know, we have to go where the customer is, and the customer lives on platforms, and, you know, we're not the smallest company, we're not the biggest company. We, we can, in some ways, be a platform for uh, some activities, other ways, we're not big enough, and we need to collaborate uh, to be able to participate in platforms where customers are and to, to serve them better. And, uh, and, and that's really what resonated. The, the specifics, uh, we weren't as interested in because we have no doubt they'll change, uh, and they have changed, but it was, uh, boy, here is uh, a vision that uh, part of it felt good. It's, you know, you start dealing with change, you feel a little on defense. It's like, God, there's assets we have, 
and we can go on the offense and win with the customer and, and also come with a model that, that's a win for our company too. So are there any current technology products or you know, manifestations of what you're talking about out in the real world that you can point to and say, you know, something that the audience can understand is something you've, you've either sold to retailers or products that, are, that we can go and see in some way? Sure, I mean, we're, we, are, we are still at the early stages. We, we spent the last you know, period of time building out the capabilities, enabling technologies. The first product that we're launching is a simple one. It's the idea of making digital receipts available in physical stores and online, but not as a receipt, but as a communications channel. It's just like social is a communication channel on the web. There's a connective tissue in which this becomes a utility that the consumer can communicate with the retailer and the retailer can communicate with them and put it in apps that the consumer already has on their phone. So they don't such have to as. download, such as Messenger or something like that. And so that's the first product that we have launched. And so that, that's what's in the market uh, today, just, but just in the early stages. Um, there's, there's been some talk when, you, when you've been marketing the company about um, data sharing. Yeah. Um, there's like Facebook data sharing, which is like in the news for a lot of very <laughs> terrible ways. Um, what, can you give me any color, even if you don't have a product out in the market, what you mean by that and how I can imagine retailers actually being comfortable sharing data with each other? Sure. I mean, this is, it's, a, it's a difficult concept for retailers to, to, uh, to embrace at first. Um, but the way that we see it working is the retailer's data is, is very valuable. But it's, it's, it's usually just, you know, it's just in that retailer. But the consumer shops at lots of other, lots of other retailers. And so the idea is you don't share any one individual retailer's information with anyone else. You essentially aggregate that so that you augment the databases of the retailers so they get to understand the customer more holistically, as if they were shopping in a platform, a digital platform that had tens of thousands of, of retailers on it, and you got to see what the consumer was doing across many retailers. And then the second stage of it has to do with, we believe that physical space is the other place in which you can digitize, and that the movement of the consumer, what the consumer does when they're in physical spaces, they've made a decision to go buy something, is very much like the cursor on a digital screen, that there's meaning to the actions and the movements that they take. So we're combining the, we're digitizing this physical space and the consumer databases so that the retailer can understand more about the consumer so that they then can do what they do best, which is provide the products and services that the consumer wants to buy from them, whether it's in a physical store or whether it's online. So part of what you were talking about made me think of lookalike in the ad targeting world of like lookalike audiences, you know, sharing data and then getting an aggregate group and then allowing people to go out and find people like that. Is there is is it, are you talking about advertising? No, it's much more about the individual consumer and augmenting the individual consumer. That's who the retailer needs to understand. Not that they need to understand there are thousands of people like these people. But understanding the individual person better outside their own store is a we think is a critical aspect of the future. Eric, how much of a challenge is it, or how much do you think about what the Nordstrom shopper does 
when they're not shopping at Nordstrom or well, where else they're shopping. Is that something that that is a thought process for you? I mean, we could we could go well, down deep on <coughs> the other Seattle retailer, but we'll we'll get to that too. Yeah, I look out my window. I I see a lot of cranes. <laughs> so, uh, they're pretty uh, at night. Uh, yeah, uh, they're, they're nice never cranes. pretty for you. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, for us, we look at it, you know more simplistically, I think, of, of how can we uh, serve our customer better. And, and, and we're not the everything store. That's that's not uh, our, our mission. That's not how we're going to win. It's, it's actually quite the opposite. And, uh, you know, we participate in fashion retail and a portion of fashion retail. Uh, it's uh, It's got some, some real differences that, uh, you know, we need to play to. So it, we're certainly interested in uh, an information that can allow us to serve the customer better, to uh, be relevant for the customer, to aid in uh, a journey of discovery of newness and fashion, which you know, we think is super important. Um, so, you know, do we need to know everything that's going on that the customer, uh, you know, no, I, I don't, don't think that. But um, what, what kind of clicked for me uh, is, Senator kind of Don kind of explain these things and sharing data, and that was hard for us to uh, to go over that. It uh, to me, I kind of equate it to a shopping center. Uh, you know, retailers. You know, when we go into shopping center, we want to be with the best retailers in the world. We want to, to make a great center. You need the best retailers around us. Now, once we're there, we compete like hell, and then we want to take them down, and we, we want to win the customer. But you're, you're trying to win on the things that are really core to your brand. Um, a lot of data. Uh, kind of there's a foundational level that uh, as individual retailers or mall operators or brands or maybe even content providers um, on its own in a silo is, is not very powerful but together can, can give us a foundation and then uh, then we can compete on the things that are unique to our brand and, and try to win customers that way. Um, on, on that thread about competing and, and doing what you do best and having that be a differentiator we were talking earlier about you know uh, public company investors looking at, you know, physical and digital and as two separate things. Over the last couple of years, um, Nordstrom has made a couple of acquisitions, um, one in particular that kind of bridges both, which is Trunk Club. Um, it was a couple of years ago now. Um, uh, I remember some angry interactions with Nordstrom as I broke the news of that, but um, Wilson, but that's... I, I, I didn't it, know that. You know, Is there a story there that I should uh, There's not a story. Oh, I'm okay. just you know, <laughs> doing my job. All right. um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> short, shortly, I, I, you know, in earnings you talk about Trunk Club a bit, but I'm, you know, short, uh, not too long after the acquisition you wrote down some of the costs. And so I'm curious what has worked and what, what hasn't with that business. Um, and sort of what do you think long term, like how critical a piece of, uh, for the men's business is that of bridging digital and physical? Well, Trunk Club's men's and women's now, is, yep. you know, it started as men. So, uh, you know, we think it's an important asset, uh, both ways. And, uh, first of all, I think just context, you know, Trunk Club, uh, you know, that, that acquisition reflects, uh, we don't do a lot of acquisitions, but I would pair it with when we bought Outlook a few years before that. So here's a flash sale business and here's a online styling business. They don't seem to have much in common. It, uh, for us, it's, uh, we certainly believe that, that a customer is more empowered and more in control of how they want to shop than ever before. And our job isn't to try to coerce them 
into the ways to shop that we want them to shop. Our job is to be where they want to be, which means we have to have more ways to serve them. We have to have more plays we can run. And uh, we felt both of those uh, those models were big enough markets that we needed to have that in our arsenal. Uh, Trunk Club, uh, you know, I, I think it's like a lot of startups. It's uh, a, a business model or something there that we really believed in that resonated with customers. But the specifics of the model have gone through a lot of changes. And in general, uh, it's, a, it's a much more data-driven business than when we started with it. Uh, when we started with it, it was a very stylist-driven business. It was an individual stylist who had an individual customer and was uh, more of a free agent in, uh, in deciding what to put in the trunk and the box and sending it to the customer. Uh, it's you know, one of those examples where data's better. It's just flat out better to inform uh, what should go in the box, how many items should be in the box, uh, how, how often uh, we should be engaged with the customer. And so for the last year, the team there uh, has really kind of pulled back, pulled back on the marketing, pulled back on the business to, uh, to get the model correct and something that we can scale. And, uh, and we think we're rounding the corner there. The last uh, several months in particular have, uh, have uh, been much better. And we think the model is something that we can really uh, pour the gas on now. And, and, uh, but again, I, I generally I would say it's, uh, uh, again, having data drive that business. So should we expect that we'll see mar more marketing push around it in the near future, or? Oh, I don't know if there's anything you'll see. We're, uh, we're not the biggest marketers in the world, but in, in a, uh, certainly in a very more personalized way, uh, digital marketing, uh, yeah, we're gonna be a little more aggressive there. Uh, Don, when you go and uh, pitch this idea to uh, retailers, and you also work with uh, other besides Westfield, but uh, other shopping centers and yep. development companies, is that right? That's right. Um, what, is, what is the feedback you get that, that is the tough, toughest to overcome in that set? It's, it's a sell, right? You, you, for this to be valuable, you need a lot of, I, I would assume, you tell me if I'm wrong, you need a lot of retailers buying, buying in, right? And retailers are going through a bunch of different changes right now, all over the world. And so I'm I'm curious what you, what the obstacles are right now in, in your sales pitch and and how you're overcoming that. Well, I mean, I think first of all, um, it's 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 a simultaneous equation in that you to build out a network, whether it was Blackhawk, which became a large grocery network that that I built out, or whether it was at PayPal, uh, the Retailers are highly motivated now to try and move faster. And they see Amazon as a real threat. And so that's been the, th those have been two of the motivating factors. The hardest thing is to think going slow to fast and then action going slow to fast has been probably the most difficult thing. Data always comes up and for two reasons. It, most of these retailers have been around and earned all of their customers in what they do every single day, and it's not easy for them to give up that data. It's only in the context of winning and losing that at the executive level, they clearly understand that collaboration could be one of the things that make a difference and allow them to keep more, more effectively into the future. And so, we, you have to get enough retailers doing this where essentially you have all the 
all of the consumers anyway. 30 retailers or so get you essentially every consumer in the United States, and 10 or 15 get you all the, all the consumers in the UK. Once you have that, then the barriers to, to care about it go away because you already have everyone. And so to me, that, those are the two things. It's, it's saying they want to go slow to fast and then doing it, and then it's getting them through the data part so they understand that their data isn't being compromised, it's being augmented. That's, those are the two hardest things. What are, what are the privacy implications and how do you handle those? Of, you know, you're talking about uh, uh, sharing data between... You're not sharing the data, you're sharing the implications of the data, the okay, augmentation. Explain, explain that to me. So consumers do things. It's been a long things. day, so... Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, no one shares a consumer. If, if Norseman is a customer, I, we don't share with another retailer. We don't share a Norseman customer with anyone. That's a Norseman customer. What we do is augment the data of the, of the retailers and the, for that matter, shopping malls. When we started out, shopping malls were at first even more resistant, but they have come around and the, you know, they were a big competitor when we were wholly owned by Westfield. Shopping malls first wanted to figure out, you know, why should I do business with you? They got over it when they realized that the only answer to their problem was the consumer was going to all different shopping malls also. And so until you have a common platform where you can build technology that enable experiences inside the shopping mall, that until you had a platform that did that and it had to work where the, they were coordinated because the same shopper went to, from one yeah. shopping mall to another shopping mall. The same thing is true here. It, it takes time, but once you get once you get critical scale, then it becomes a much easier thing, and that's how all networks have, have built that over time. Got it, um, Eric. You uh, the, the name the name Amazon has come up a few times. I know we talked about the cranes. Um, they've made uh, a pretty healthy push over the last couple of years into fashion, um, trying to do a lot of it organically. Um, what, have, what have you thought of, of their efforts and how it does or doesn't affect um, you know, your company and your customer base? Well, you know, Amazon's you know, this massive company and presence that's, uh, I, I, I take the glass half full. Uh, I think it's, uh, they've been very helpful in having us, forcing us to get sharper on who we are and, and uh, where we can win. And, and uh, in particular, what that's uh, led us to is, and for, for what we do, our place in fashion, you know, we're not a price promotional retailer. Uh, and what drives our business- I know I bought this jacket through Trunk Club and I don't think it, was, you. it was a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great value. Uh, is, <laughs> Yeah, newness drives our business. just for you, Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, newness drives our business and, and being a place of discovery. And, and, and at least I, I think in the products we participate in, uh, they're not commodities and brands matter. Uh, there's a lot of, of retail has gone to commodities and brand values been taken out, out of it. Uh, you know, there's always the, the new hot fashion brand that's not everywhere uh, and uh, that people are going to discover. Lots of customers come to us not knowing exactly what they want. They come to us, they want something new. Uh, and often the best experience we can provide a customer is they leave with something they know they wouldn't have gotten on their own and ends up being the favorite thing in the closet. So 
being that place of discovery, which means curation, means personalization, uh, means having a differenti differentiated product offer, things that you don't can't find everywhere. Um, those things are, are very much in contrast to uh, the sweet spot of what Amazon's model is, and and uh, and it's. Yeah, I think it fits with what one market's doing and, and can help us amplify those efforts. Uh, and it's, it's something that we're very excited about. Uh, I, think I said today, and, and uh, you know, I think our team's ever been more optimistic than we are today, that it's, uh, yeah, there's change going on in the industry, and we don't know exactly how it's going to play out. But uh, I don't think fashion brands are going to go away. Uh, newness is always going to be important, and we have assets between a trunk love, a whole look, but digital and physical assets. We have our stores. We uh, we have inventory that's close to customers. There's things we can do uh, in a in a customer's journey that's uh, uh, pretty unique to to what we have, and and we think uh, compelling. And and you know, in fashion, is one of those things. It's there's not going to be one player. Uh, there's there's always newness, and I think it keeps us all uh, on our toes of uh, not only who are the traditional competitors you've had, but who are the, the new people coming out that are doing something that's uh, uh, really game-changing. So we're gonna, in, in a minute, we're gonna kick it to audience Q&A. So if you have questions, there are two mics here. Um, I'm not afraid to call on people. Um, but uh, one more thing just on that thread. So you mentioned, you mentioned discovery as a big piece of the Nordstrom experience. And for the most part, Amazon has not nailed that. It's a place you go when you know what you want. So, um, those seem like really complementary businesses, you know, like one next to each other. There's always speculation about what Amazon will buy next. And uh, do you like? I'm, I'm, are you are you flattered by that? Yeah. Do you want to keep? Yeah, I could dig my own. Am I flattered by your question about that? No, yes, that's exactly what I meant. I don't think so. <laughs> Is there a question in there? I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was Your instructions very, that was very were no fair. statements. Uh, um, <laughs> thank you, guys. We're done for tonight. Um, uh, what do you think of Amazon as a potential acquirer of Nordstrom? Uh, I'm not going there. <laughs> Uh, do we have any questions from the audience? Otherwise, I'm sure they're begging for one. Um, Phil, if there's a mic there, could you and tell us who you are? I am um, Phil Waba, a competitor of Jason's at Fortune Magazine. So, um, <clears throat> Eric, one of your colleagues, uh, Shay Jensen, is that how you pronounce it? Um, was talking about Nordstrom Local today at a session, and she talks about the importance of the concept as being, you know, a service center, but the idea was not for the store to make, generate immediate revenue, but really to cultivate the relationship with the customer and services. But now since you're going to be in Wall Street's clique lights for indefinitely, um, how do you explain to people who need to understand, um, you know, you spend a lot of money on the New York store, on Canada, how do you reassure people that you're spending wisely on de developing your business when there's a lot of concern about um, costs and and you know how do you, how do you sort of reconcile the idea that you have to spend money to make money? Well, that really hasn't been a problem for us. Uh, you know, we've we've made uh, a lot of investments the last 
number of years and uh, and um, and really hasn't been a problem at all being able to invest in the business and a lot of those investments uh, especially technology have been foundational investments that uh, weren't customer facing right off the, the bat they allowed us to do some things eventually customer facing um, so uh, you know having uh, uh, the uh, freedom to invest in the businesses we think uh, we need to. That uh, hasn't been a problem at all. Uh, hey, uh, Billy Robbins with Zendesk. Uh, so you made some recent acquisitions. Uh, it seems like a slightly different shift from your prior acquisition of acquiring brands and, and different purchase moments uh, for consumers. Can you talk about kind of is there a shift in the thesis as you look at the acquisition strategy and then as you're sitting next to Don, how does that play into how far you would share with the uh, the anti-crane cooperative? <laughs> New team name for us. Uh, well, I, he's referring to uh, uh, two small technology companies that uh, we acquired uh, a week or so ago, uh, Bevy Up and Message Yes, two local Seattle companies. Um, there, we don't have an acquisition strategy. We have a capability strategy. We have, you know, what capabilities do we think we need to, to serve our customers better? And um, part of, I, I think, the, uh, the message with our one market, it, that, that means partnerships. That means uh, finding capabilities that are complementary that we have. And what, the relationship can take different means. It could be a commercial relationship, like one market, uh, we've done investments in some small companies, and we've done some acquisitions. It's uh, it's really what's the the best means to the, an end. In in that example, uh, Message Yes is a company that we've worked with for, for quite a while. Uh, they've developed this uh, an app for salespeople. Shay talked about it in her previous presentation. It's called Style Boards, which is a Pinterest type uh, uh, digital tool that our salespeople can send a curated offering to their customers. Um, so they're very good at, uh, we think in particular, employee apps and, and bringing tools to our people. And you know, we have 22,000 salespeople, they continue to be super important. Um, so that's what we liked about them. We've been working with them, so it was kind of a natural uh, step. Uh, Message Yes uh, is a personalization technology company and, and certainly that's capability we need more of. And they have some uh, very skilled uh, folks there who, uh, I don't know, it was kind of like dating. They, uh, we like them, they liked us, uh, and so we, uh, I guess, got hitched. Uh, and so that's uh, getting these capabilities, uh, uh, and, and again, some of those capabilities is a product and some is, is people talent. Try to get two very quick questions. Uh, my question's for Eric. So this Just tell is us who you are, please. Tracy Benjamin from Alliance Data. Uh, my question is really about department stores and kind of the heritage of what they were, what they are now, and maybe what they could be. And I actually feel like you do it really well. Um, department stores were that space where, you know, smaller retailers could put their product and sell it in a larger space and it was convenient. And I kind of feel like that could be the future, but department stores are, you know, kind of a naughty word right now. Um, and so I'm curious to know what you what you think about the real estate that you currently have. It's large. Is that the right space? Um, what do you think about the future of department stores as far as going back to some of the heritage that they once were? Well, a couple things on that. It, and this may sound like semantics, but we do not believe we're a department store. And 
as a kid, I remember this would come up, and I remember my dad, who's a pretty even-killed guy, would kind of get riled up about, we're not a department store, we're a specialty store, and I was like, you know, whatever, Dad. Uh, and it's, you know, you're, it's a big store at the end of the mall with an escalator. Uh, so so uh, I didn't understand it then, but it's, you know, our, it's really our, our roots uh, are uh, as a fashion specialist store. Now, you know, we've grown and the box got a little, little bigger, but uh, to this day, we do not consider ourselves a department store, and it's important for us. Uh, it, it's, uh, it helps our focus on fashion, on newness, on discovery, uh, and, and curation. And you know, for us, brands are super important, but we're not going to become a shopping center. We're, we're not looking to turn over real estate uh, to brands. Uh, that is, uh, especially as the world's become more digital, uh, I don't know how compelling of a uh, customer experience that is. If, if customer wants just a, a siloed brand experience, they would go to the brand site or the brand store. So you know, for us, uh, part of discovery is this breadth of merchandise and being able to expose it, expose it to customers both in a physical environment and digitally at relevant times. And uh, we've, uh, like, one of the things we know, we've got more customer data, we're uh, the number one place where a customer makes their first designer purchase, true luxury designer purchase. Um, and, and that fits with us. That means we have a little younger customer and our environment offers up this product at the right time and it's, it's in an inclusive uh, environment. So it kind of works that way. So I'm not getting to your question, am I? To answer your question no, about the I, real I estate. Think, I, think you're, I think you're close. And so I guess my, my point is some of those designers, to your point, and this is why I say I think you do it very well, but a lot of those designers, and you know it and I know it, they can't afford those spaces in New York City anymore. Um, and so if that's where I kind of feel like we're going back to the idea of a concept of a department store where they can actually sell their product and their, you know, the consumer's first introduction is in your store. I think that's exciting. I'm probably alone in the room when I say I support department stores there. Uh, but I wonder, it's going to be different, and I wonder what your thoughts are about how that's going to be different. And, you know, is it showrooming or, like, how do you anticipate that to kind of play out in the next five years? That's really maybe what I'm asking. Yeah, I really don't know. I mean, we're, we're trying different things. I was mentioned our Nordstrom local store that we have in LA, which is a couple thousand square feet. Mm -hmm. We don't yeah. buy merchandise for it. It's a, a space that uh, we have stores all around it, uh, but it's a space we can do buy line pickup in store. We can do stylist appointments, alterations, uh, Manicures, all sorts of things we can do there, and uh, and it's not. Uh, I don't think the way to think about that is, boy, that's a replacement for a store. Uh, stores are going to become tiny stores without merchandise, and it's going to be sent in. It's uh, it's another asset, a physical asset that is very linked to digital assets, that is complementary to what we have. Now, what the right mix is there. Uh, we don't know, and I don't think anyone knows. I think we have to, to go into it with a lot of curiosity, a willingness to test and learn, and, and let the customer uh, tell us what, what we can do. Part of what, I think directionally, which is exciting, uh, there are, number one, there's a lot of excess retail space in the United States, and you know, we're not the biggest. We have you know, 122 stores, so it's, we don't have 800, uh, but 
it's a lot of stores. And uh, so there's some excess space, but there's opportunities for, uh, I think where technology can help like anything, is an in inventory efficiency, which one of that, offshoots of that is there's going to be space. And there's space that uh, we can do things with. We can focus on services. We can give experiences. And, and what that means exactly and what's going to resonate with customers, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. But uh, I think we have to be in a position to uh, be aggressive in trying things, testing and learning, and, and uh, pivoting quickly on what the customer tells us. Thank you. All right. We, we're, we're unfortunately way over time, so uh, I want to thank Don yeah. and Eric very much, and uh, you'll see me back soon enough. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Replay. If you liked it, then make sure to check out the other Recode Radio podcasts, Recode Decode, Recode Media, and Too Embarrassed to Ask. You can find those shows wherever you found this one. Thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie, and our producer, Eric Johnson. Special thanks to Golda, Arthur, and Jelani Carter. For full coverage of An Evening with Code Commerce and all the other Recode events, visit recode.net.